Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Life Church. Glad that you're here this morning. It's a great day. Welcome um, all those who are joining us uh, by Facebook. It's always an honor for you to have us a part of our service. And for those of you who are fathers, we want to say happy Father's Day to you. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank God for God that put godly men into our lives. And so we, we, we're thankful for you and we bless you. Uh, this morning, we're going to have and, uh, Pastor Bill Ferris, and maybe you've heard him preach here. He was here a few weeks ago, ministered. He's, uh, I've asked him to come this morning and to, to bring the word of the Lord, and he's prepared to do that for just a moment. We've had a time in worship and praise, and the Lord's doing some things in our midst and some things that we thought we could share, we would want to share with you this morning. Um, I have, during our last uh, song that we just was in worship in the Lord, we were exalting his name. I began to hear the, the Lord speak to me that I'm healing kidneys this morning. So if you're watching this morning and you have problems with your kidneys, whatever the problem is, I don't have to know the particulars. I don't have to know because I'm not the healer, he's the healer. So I just stretch my hand to you as an extension of, our, of my faith, if you'll just stretch your hand to me. If you're listening to this at another time or date, it doesn't make any difference. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to you. I speak health to your kidneys. If you have problems in the area with stones, I command those stones to be gone and those in the, the creatinine level to be normal in your kidneys. Receive the life of God and be healed in the name of Jesus and from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Receive the healing power of Jesus. Today is the day of your miracle in the name of Jesus. And we give him all the praise and the honor and the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. He is so good. And let's just say, say the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. We give you all the praise. Pastor Ferris, if you'll come, I want to just say something for you to begin. Um, I want to say thank you for um, your many, you and Miss Lars, many, many years of service. Y'all can be seated out here. Of, of pastoring and being in the ministry for well over 40 years. And though you might not have ever had natural children, you got lots of them. <laughs> Every pastor knows that. And so how many, I mean, how many lives and kids and youth have you affected who are still, as you continue your life, they're, they're still living their, their life by the faith that you imparted into them, the love of God that, you, that you've shown to them, the many people that you went to funeral homes and you spoke the last words over them. And so I just, wanted to, I, I, I just wanted to say, and I believe the Lord wants to use me this morning to say to you, I heard him say this morning, I was actually getting ready. He said, would you tell, would you tell my son, thank you for me? And so this is not because of that, but, I, but, but um, um, we want to bless, be a blessing into your life. And I don't want Miss Laura cooking today. So anyway, so there might be something there she can use her another time. So thank you for coming and being a blessing to our church and to our audience here that's watching by Facebook and listening. You're a blessing, and I want to say thank you. You're so welcome. And how much we appreciate the two of you. Thank you. Amen. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank all of you. Thank all of you. I am so touched today. Thank you so much for those words for the gift. I received a message this morning 
from a, a woman who lives in the Auburn area. And she was uh, our choir director at one of my churches in the valley. And she and her husband wanted to have children. They had been married for a little over a year, maybe two, and they had been praying and wanting to have a child. But it wasn't working out. And she said, would you pray with us? I remember us kneeling at the altar of that beautiful sanctuary in Lynette. And we felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came over that couple. And nine months later, she had a baby. Just so happened that the baby was born during the Christmas season and it messed up her being present to lead our choir in that special music program before Christmas. But that was okay. We celebrated with her. And then, and by the way, that baby just got married last month. Just had her wedding last month. And then she said, Stop praying. She got pregnant again very soon. <laughs> very soon after that. And then again. So she has, they have three grown children, beautiful people. And she wrote a message this morning and said, Thank you for being a spiritual father to me at different seasons of my walk with the Lord. I told her that meant more to me, her words and the sentiment of that message, so powerful. Pastor Wes, you are correct. There's a lot of spiritual children that have come along through the years, not just in America, in Alabama, but in other places, especially Zambia, Africa, and Uganda. Lots of spiritual sons and daughters. I don't see myself or consider myself as a spiritual father. I, I prefer not to be known as that. That's one of those titles that some people covet and want to be known as a spiritual father. But the scripture says, and Paul said, you can't have a lot of spiritual fathers. I mean, really, I've only had one father in my life, naturally. I only had one father, and he's in heaven now. All of us had a father of some type. Uh, you may have known your father. You may not have known your father. You may have been close to the father that fathered you, or you may not have been close. Uh, there are so many different circumstances. Some people had good relationships. Some had t 
terrible relationships between father and child. Some never knew their father. But we have a father who is eternal and forever. And he never changes. He's not up and down and fickle. He's very, very real. He's solid. He's stable. He never changes. He's dependable. You can count on God as a father. I know that this is Father's Day, and this is not going to be a Father's Day message, but I am on the on the wavelength with Holy Spirit about spiritual parents. And there's one in particular that I'm thinking of today that I'm going to share about. And if we were to give a, a title to this message, it would be God meant it for good. God meant it for good. And today I trust that I'll be able to weave a tapestry with you and that I will spark some type of memory in you. I hope more than one that will help you to see that Nothing that has happened in your life happened by accident. That nothing, no thing that has occurred in your life was meant to hurt you, but only meant to bring God's purpose and plan to come to pass so that you could be and I could be the person that God destined and desired for us to become. And I know that in this congregation that is present in Jemison, Alabama and people in places all over the world, in homes, in church buildings, in vehicles, out in the field, on ships, on the seashore. People everywhere have all got a story. Every one of us could tell our story and it's not all beautiful. In many ways, it's best that we don't tell those secrets. Because if we did, it would not only embarrass us, but it would be embarrassing to others. So it's best to keep those secret between you and God. I'm not going to ask for testimonies. I'm not going to ask for anybody to to share good report or bad report today. I just pray that Holy Spirit sparks a memory 
in you that will become a flaming fire. For the Spirit comes not only to baptize, but also to bring fire. And these are the days of fire. Yeah. These are the days of fire. And there's some things that need to burn up. And some things that need to be purified. And the fire does both. The fire can destroy. And the fire can remove the impurities from our life. I'm basing this message on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'd like to read this scripture verse from the Amplified, first of all. And I want to read it and I want you to follow along. And I want you to pay close attention to the words of this amplification of this verse. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His plan and purpose. I believe that there are literally thousands of people on this planet who do not know. First of all, they do not know that God has a plan for their life and that God loves them. They do not know that. And yet the scripture says, we know Yeah, we know it. We know it. We have knowledge of this. But do we with great confidence know that? Can you honestly say, I have great confidence knowing that all things are working together in my life for good. The King James Version is one that so many people are familiar with, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And then the Passion Translation that we love so much here. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His designed purpose. One of the books that I have read, read it long ago and had to buy a new copy because I obviously gave my other one away. It's written by R.T. Kendall, God meant it for good. 
It is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. For those that are a part of a congregation and a church, you probably know the story very well of Joseph. And I'm going to hit on some of the highlights of his life in this message, but you could put yourself in his place. For some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been hated by your siblings. Some of you who are listening have felt that you were in a prison. You thought God had forgotten you, but it's all part of a plan. And believe me, it's working together for your good. And you say, I can't see any good coming out of this. Just hold on. Hold on, my friend. It is, and God will reveal it to you. In very small print at the top of this cover, God meant it for good. These words, they falsely accused him, wrongly imprisoned him, ignored and maligned him. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I'll be saying more about Joseph in just a moment. But there are people that God has put in our lives from the time we were infants that have influenced us and impacted us positively and negatively. There are people spiritually that have had great impact in our lives. And I could name many. I I have so many I would call spiritual mentors, people who have nurtured me and guided me and given me advice through the years. And it's really still difficult for me to realize that I'm now the one giving that to younger men and women. It, It just amazes me that God used them in my life But think about this. There was someone who influenced them. Have you ever thought of this? That you were born on the exact day that you were supposed to be born? That you were born to a couple, a man and a woman that you were born to? That, to me, is kind of deep, but then think about this. Not only were you born to a particular male and female, but think about their parents and their grandparents and your great-grandparents. And think about where they lived. Pastor Eric shares with us that he was born in Detroit, Michigan. And then 
his parents moved to Chilton County. That wasn't a coincidence or an accident or just a circumstance. It was all part of a pattern. There was a plan involved. And many times we do not see the pattern of our lives until we get older. And we begin to look back and reflect and we say, oh, I see now. Many of my ancestors were farmers in the old world, in England and in France. And they farmed great plots of ground, acres and acres and acres on both sides of my family, paternal and maternal. And I've done a lot of research on these ancestors and my father's side of the family at one time was very well to do financially. But something happened over the centuries and they lost it. They lost whatever, you should see one of the homes that one of my great grandfathers owned. I wish I had a picture, I should, show, I should have made one to show you this mansion in Northern England. It had 20 fireplaces, 14 bedrooms, you name it, they had it. Of course, they had an outhouse back in those days. They didn't have indoor bathrooms, but, they, but this was a mansion. I mean a mansion. It now belongs to the government of England. It's in a, in a trust and a foundation. It doesn't belong to my family. I can't inherit it. It was lost by my family due to lack of payment and, and debt. But I had some very wealthy ancestors. But the majority of my father's family were poor as dirt. Poor. And the ones that finally made it to the state or the territory of Alabama were all farmers sharecroppers. They worked the land and when the Great Depression hit America, they didn't even know there was a Great Depression because they were so poor. They were already living off the land. They didn't have any investments on Wall Street. They didn't even really know there was a depression because nothing changed for them. Is that a coincidence? No. It was all part of a great tapestry known as the Ferris family. And I think this is very interesting that my name is spelled with a P, like in phone, P-H-A-R-E-S, Ferris. And that word Ferris is from France. It's French. Some of my ancestors first were in France. And Ferris to this day has to do with light. Like 
headlights on a car, flashlight, they call them torches in England. Um, the other day, the other night, I was on Facebook and I looked at my name and it said, Bill Lighthouses. I looked at that. Bill Lighthouses. Facebook had me listed as Bill Lighthouses, not Bill Ferris. Because the original name, Ferris, meant keeper of the lighthouse. My ancestors kept the lighthouse burning the fire being burned up in the lighthouse so the ships would not wreck on the rocks of France. That was, that's my heritage. Isn't it amazing that to this day now, I'm a light. I mean, a preacher's supposed to bring light. So really, my name is appropriate. And Facebook, even though it was a fluke, it was, it was freaky. It was crazy, Bill Lighthouses. And my cousin Bob, who lives in Enterprise, Bob Ferris sent me a, a, a note uh, saying he liked a particular hymn that I had posted. And you know what his name looked like on Facebook? It didn't say Bob Ferris. It said Bob Headlight. Because in Canada, where automobiles are manufactured for General Motors, the French manuals that you find in the glove box are written in French and, Amer and English. And everywhere it has the word headlight or light switch or what it, it says, Ferris. P-H-A-R-E-S. Isn't that amazing? That's all part of a tapestry. My family on the Ferris side were poor. I think I must be one of the most prosperous Ferrises alive today. And I, <laughs> I mean, that shows you how far we've come. Because you know, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. But God has been good. He's, God is blessed. And my mother's side were farmers also. And they had a wonderful last name, Hucklebridge. Hucklebridge. That sounds British, doesn't it? Because there are berries called huckleberries. My grandfather was known in Bessemer, Alabama, as one of the best farmers around. He worked at the iron company, but his hobby was farming. And he didn't have huckleberries, but he had strawberries like you have in Chilton County. He had the largest, most luscious strawberries of anyone. It's just in our genes. We, we just, both sides, hucklebridges and Ferris's. But there has been a lot of bad things that's happened in both sides of our family. There's some things that I can't even talk about publicly. Some bad things. And yet God used even those bad things and turned them for good. 
There's a spiritual parent that I want to talk about for a few moments, and her name is Corey Ten Boom. She's Dutch. Many of you know, many of you know her story. Some of you have never heard of her. Corey Ten Boom was a young adult woman living in the Netherlands, born and raised in a town called Harlem. Holland. Her father was a watchmaker. People took their clocks and their timepieces to the Tin Boom store to be repaired. World War II was raging. The Nazi army invaded the Netherlands. They came right where the Ten Boom family lived, above the clock shop. They had a house, an apartment above the shop. And the Ten Booms were Dutch Reformed Christians and they believed in helping the Jews. And they believed that the persecution of the Jews was evil and wrong. And they believed that God was calling them to hide as many Jews as they could from the Nazis so that the Nazis would not put them to death or put them in a concentration camp where they would suffer and die. And Corrie Ten Boom was just a young adult woman. She, along with her sister, Betsy. And one day, after having hidden these Jewish people in the walls of their home above the shop. Sometimes there were four hiding people there, sometimes more, sometimes only one. They would stay for several days or weeks and then they would be moved to a different hiding place. And Corey Ten Boom is known in America because of the book that was written about her life called The Hiding Place. And Billy Graham's association made a movie back in the 70s called The Hiding Place. Oh man, what a movie. And it was so true to life. Corey Ten Boom and Betsy, her sister and father, were arrested by the secret police, by the Gestapo, they were caught hiding the Jews and they were arrested. The father died shortly after being arrested in the hallway of an infirmary. Betsy and Corey were sent to a concentration camp. This was not a holiday for them. This was the worst experience, especially that a woman could have. And they were stripped of everything and made to stand naked before the German guards for hours. And one thing after another was done to them. And Betsy 
kept saying to Corey, we must forgive them. We must forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And Corey was having a difficult time forgiving. And yet she has written and said some things that people still talk about today. She learned how to forgive. And Betsy taught her many life lessons. One of the things that I found was interesting was how many of you have ever been bitten by fleas? As a hospice chaplain, I went into a lot of different homes and I have been bitten many times by fleas. And sometimes a house can be flea infected and you have to put a bomb in there. I don't mean one that explodes, but a chemical bomb to kill the insects, to kill the fleas. And the fleas were very prominent in these concentration camps. And the fleas would cover their bodies and bite them. And Betsy said one time, Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place that, where God has put us. And so we stood between piers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. Think about that. Betsy taught her how to give thanks even in the unpleasant circumstances. There's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that says, In the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. In the midst of everything? Another, the Amplified, reads this way, in every situation. No matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever been on Interstate 65 going north or south? You're going to an appointment. You're on a time schedule and the traffic suddenly comes to a halt and you don't know what's ahead, what's causing it. The traffic doesn't even creep. It just stops. Have you ever had that happen to you in the heat of the summer? I have so many times I can't even count it. And I would just turn the car off and roll the windows down and just sit there and get madder by the second and say a few things to express my anger. And there wasn't anything I could do about it. I knew where the exits were and I couldn't get to the exits. Even if I could get over on the shoulder, I was stuck in the middle lane. I couldn't move. I wonder why God lets those kind of things happen in our lives where you can't do a thing about it. 
Is that one of those circumstances? Is that one of those situations where we should be thankful and continually give thanks to God? I don't know. I mean, that's a lesson I'm still trying to learn. And yet Betsy and Corey Ten Boom learned that valuable scripture by life itself. And Corey was able later after being released and freed from Ravensbrück concentration camp in the heart of Germany. As she traveled the globe called God's Tramp, She tramped for God everywhere, sharing the love of God. And one night she was sharing how she learned to give thanks in all circumstances. For Betsy had told her, this is the will of God for our lives. God is taking the unpleasant situations that we find ourselves in and shaping us into something for our future. One night as she was speaking, there was a man listening very carefully and following that meeting, he came up to her and in a German accent began to share with her how meaningful her talk had been. And she recognized him as a former Nazi guard in that prison camp. And he asked her to forgive him. And she did. I've never been in prison. I've never had a hard situation that I think even comes close to what she experienced. Some of you are in a prison and you're listening to this American preacher and you're sitting there as an inmate and you're innocent. You, you didn't commit a crime. But you were accused and sentenced and you're bitter. But you're listening to me. And God hears you and knows you and loves you. And the end of the story has not yet been written for your life. And I want to say to you, I don't know how you feel. I've never been where you are. It must be terrible. But I trust that what I'm sharing, especially from Corey Ten Boom, is ministering to you. She said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. Isn't that amazing? Wow. No pit is so deep that he is not deeper still. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains and the very best is yet to be. Wow. When you are covered by 
His wings, it can get pretty dark. We talk about being covered in the shelter of the wing of God. God shelters us in His wing. But we never thought about it's pretty dark under that wing. I'm as much a man of faith as anyone. I do trust God for my life. I do speak words of faith. But this is true. Under the shelter of God's wing, it's dark. And that's when you just trust Him. And here's the beautiful thing about that. There are no ifs in God's kingdom. Corey said, I could hear Betsy's soft voice saying it. His timing is perfect. His will is our hiding place. His will is our hiding place. Lord Jesus, keep me in your will. We must be so careful that we do not refuse the cross that the Lord has given us to carry. Let us remember that our present sufferings serve to prepare us for entering into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know throughout the New Testament, take up that cross and follow me, Jesus said. Everyone must bear their own burden. I can't carry your cross and you can't carry mine. It's tailor-made for you, and mine is tailor-made for me. And yet, what happens on a cross? People die. Have you ever thought about our deathbeds becoming the doorway of heaven? Wow! Wow! Our deathbed can become our doorway to heaven. Oh, my goodness. Life is so much more than what we know. It only begins for a short while here. And it goes throughout eternity. Oh, I want to spend it with God. In closing, I mentioned R.T. Kendall. And he talks in his book, God Meant It For Good, about Joseph. And because you know the life story of Joseph, you know that his father made him a coat. It was a little robe and it was very colorful. And Joseph being immature, he bragged about some dreams that he had and he told his brother and his father about these dreams. And he said, I had a dream that the sheaves of wheat in the field bowed down to me, my sheaf. I, my sheaf was in the middle and all of you were around me and you bowed down to me. That did not win friends and influence them. And he went another step and he had another dream. He said, uh, all the stars <laughs> circled me and worshipped me. And little did he realize as a young, immature boy sharing those dreams 
And they were literally dreams from God that he should have kept to himself. They came to pass. They did come true. His father said, I want you to go check on your brothers. And they were out in the field. And when they saw Joseph coming, they plotted a scheme to kill him and to take his robe and dip it in some goat's blood and send it back to the father and, 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 and say, he's dead. But Reuben, one of the brothers, said, let's don't kill him. Let's don't kill him. Let's put him in this pit and let's sell him. And so that's exactly what happened. They didn't kill him, but they sold him to a caravan of traders that were going to Egypt. And Joseph got to Egypt and everything he did was blessed by God. Everywhere he went, he succeeded. But then he would be falsely accused. One time he was made the head servant over a household of a very wealthy man and he prospered and the wealthy man's wealth began to expand because of Joseph's presence. Joseph was succeeding. He was very successful. And then one day, the wealthy man's wife accused Joseph of something that wasn't true. He could not get out of it. It didn't matter what he said. And he was thrown into prison. And even while he was in prison, he started succeeding. They made him the head over all the jailers. He was like their supervisor. He was an inmate, but yet he was over the guards. And... I I, I thought God's plan for Joseph was to succeed. He was. He was succeeding. And two of the other inmates, one of the cupbearers and bakers that used to bake and serve the Pharaoh, had dreams and Joseph interpreted them. And Joseph said, remember me when you get released out of prison, but they forgot him until Pharaoh started dreaming. And they remembered there's a man in prison that can interpret dreams. And they called for him. The Pharaoh called for him. And you know, the, you know what happened? He interpreted the dreams that there would be seven years of great prosperity in Egypt followed by seven years of famine. And God was with Joseph and gave him wisdom beyond his years. And he said, what we need to do is store up the food while it's still good, while there's seven good years. And then we will have food when those seven hard years come. And that's exactly what happened. And one day in the midst of the famine, during that seven-year period of famine, Joseph's brothers showed up. They showed up to come and get some food that was being provided there in Egypt. And I thought this was interesting 
They didn't recognize Joseph. Joseph was in charge of everything. They thought he was one of Pharaoh's family members. They didn't know that was Joseph, their brother that they had sold. And Joseph gave them all the food they needed, sent them on their way, blessed them. They came back again. And let me share these scriptures with you as we come to an end today. We find these in Genesis chapter 45 and 50. 45 and chapter 50. These are the words of Joseph to his brothers. Now do not be grieved, verse 5, or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. He was revealing who he was, his brother. They said, you, you, can't, be, you can't be Joseph. Yes, I'm, I'm Joseph. Don't, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me here. Wow. You see, his perspective was such that he saw the hand of God in all of this. He said, you didn't send me here. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. Now that's pretty heavy. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did not, for God did send me before you to preserve life. And then verse 20 of Genesis 50. And this is from the New Living Translation. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Treasures in heaven. It's all about saving people. God will use any Joseph, any Mary, any Tom, any Sally. God will use each one of us, no matter who we are, or what our life has been like up to this point. But God will use anyone who is willing to be used as part of God's plan and God's purposes. And that is to save people. To save their lives. To feed them when they're hungry. To give them drink when they're thirsty. To bring the bread of life to them if they need Jesus. There are so many ways and plans that God has. Oh, oh, I wish I could just tell you how I thought I had just lost it with God. I, would, I was always successful. I've, I've always made it. I've always worked hard. God's always been good to me. And then, beginning 10 years ago, it started falling apart. And I was accused of something I didn't do. And I lost my job. 
I've never been fired before. But a lie was told about me and nobody would believe the truth and I didn't even try to justify myself or defend myself because I knew it wouldn't do any good. Vindication belongs to the Lord, the scripture says. So I just said, Lord, it's in your hands. And I was fired from a great position. Never had that happened to me before. It was devastating. But God was causing even that to work together for my good. And I see it now. But I didn't see it at that time. And then just a few years later, I was working on the staff of a a congregation. And it was a good church. It still is. And I won't go into any detail, but something was said about me that was not true. And I said to the person that I reported to, I said, that's not true, but I'm not going to try to defend myself. And I was let go. Oh, man, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts when people attack you. I know you know what I'm talking about. It hurts when someone says something about you that's not true. But God caused it to work together for my good. For you see what's happening is every experience that we go through, every experience, every, every person He puts in our lives is the perfect preparation for the future that only God can see. And I know that what has happened over the last 10 years is only a time of preparation for something much better than I could ever plan. Wow. Somebody, or many, you're hearing this And you're saying, that's me. I needed this today, they say. You're saying, I needed this. I needed to know that even those dark moments was not the end of the story. And that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love Him. You love Him? Do you love Him? Yeah. Can you trust a father that really truly loves you and would never hurt you? Can you trust that heavenly father that every moment, the good ones and the bad ones, is working together for your good? And not only for your good, but also for God's good and God's purpose. We have a great Heavenly Father who only desires to prosper us and never forget this scripture. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, 
to give you a future and hope. Wow. I know those plans. The Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. I just want to bless you now on this Father's Day. And I want you to receive this blessing as if God, I'm not God, but as if I'm God's spokesman today. And God is speaking to you as the Hebrew, the Jewish rabbi will stand before their congregation and give that Abrahamic blessing. I want to share it with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. Every one of us have experienced disappointment. It comes in very various forms, and but out of every disappointment, can become a divine appointment. Out of every setback, when I was uh, 13, 14 years old, <clears throat> my brother and I bought a bow and arrow and we had some hay and some whatever and we, we target practice and these weren't bows, you know, with scopes on them or anything like that. These were just bows and 20, 30 feet, and 40 feet. And we just, I'd spend hours doing that. And I got to where I was pretty good. I think it was on like a 30 or 40 pound pull bow, which at, at that age of my life, you know, it was, it was doable, but you know, you just didn't just pull it back like you lacing up your shoelaces. And I got to where I could, after much practice, I could hit the target. And I remember the day that I quit hitting targets and I went squirrel hunting. And I could kill squirrels and I could with with the bow and arrow. Then I got introduced to a hundred pound, hundred ten pound uh, compound bow, and it wasn't easy to pull back as the other, but it had much more force. And some of you may feel like what was said today describes your life in a lot of ways. It does for all of us. If you're over three days old, and it looks like your buddy is. But in that hardest moment where you, you pull back, and that's when you're in your life where you're having to trust God because if you could have already fixed your problem, I don't know about you, but you already would have. And that's where trust comes in, and that's all you really can do is just trust the Lord and know that you're, he's, you're walking through the, that situation, trusting him all the way. But for every setback, every pullback of that bow, there's, there's going to be a day of release. And the further you have to pull back, the, the, the more the pressure is of the pullback, the, the greater the thrust. And it's very interesting to watch in life where you can 
see how he blessed you, then you'll go through what Dr. Ferris talked about, a, a time, that a, a 10-year period, where you go back and you wonder, how did this happen, or how could that happen, or someone says something despairingly of you, or untruthful, or, or just, you know, and then have to hear that and face that, and how, and how that feels to you, and, um, and it can cost you in a lot of different ways. But when God said it's time for the release, you know, a lot of people don't like the, uh, a message like that. They say, well, that's just, that's just, that, that's just the devil. Um, God is not the worker of evil. He's the worker of good. But sometimes we don't even know what, what, what good is that we think is, is all evil. Uh, I had a son that was trained for the Marines. It's the, it's the longest uh, of any branch service. It's, it's, it's the longest training on the planet. And then... They're sent there to another place, you know, into California for simulated war. And, uh, you know, if, if even though that's long and enduring, when you're actually in war, I was very thankful that he had the training that he had because he came home. Yes. Wouldn't mean he didn't come home. Yes. I remember asking him, I said, I said, what was the hardest part about being in Afghanistan or Iraq? He says, well... He said, actually, the hardest part was in California, assimilated war. Now, the, bullet, the bullets weren't live, but, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that. Why? Because everything physically and emotionally is, is testing you. And God's ultimate design is for us to all be fruitful, to, to have fruit and for that fruit to abound. And it doesn't happen, so it's just we're, we're just on its own. It's, it's, it's their proven test. The car that you drive, aren't you glad that they, were, they tested it before they put it on the market? Aren't you glad they kicked the tire, so to speak? And some of us, we may have some dings and some bruises and some cuts and some... We, we may have a little bondo on the left and a little bit on the right, and we may have some aftermarket parts. <laughs> And other people may look and say, well, that doesn't look like much. But only you know. Only you know. Where you've come from and where God's brought you to. And I know I haven't walked out my path, but I do know that I have been so far back. And within almost 24 hours, been thrust so far ahead that it, that it absolutely amazes you. There's, nuts, there's no such thing as, un, as, as a believer who's going to be untested. You say, well, I don't like that. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Life's going to test you. The enemy's going to test you. God's, God's going to make sure that you're ready. Because you're going to take, everyone here is going to have different positions. They're going to have, they all, we all have a master plan. And we, thank God we have a master architect. And a lot of times we're not re even that fruitful in our lives until we, we grow to a certain age to where things that we thought was so endearing and so it, it, it must be this way and that's just all you can see in your 20s and 30s or, or sometimes 40s or beyond that you just find out it really wasn't that big a deal until you get a little bit older. And, and that's part of the proving and I think in the, in the, in the testing and that's where the, that's where the walk of faith comes in because you can't see how this thing's going to turn out. 
I'm not trying to preach after him, but I'm just saying this, this, you could listen to this message over and over and over again in your own life, and you could just see, you know, whether you were Joseph or you was Corey Ten Boom. I, I can imagine living in a concentration camp. I just got rid of fleas in the house. I didn't thank God for them. I killed them. And then they didn't kill them the first time. I called the country back so he didn't work. Bomb again, but you burned the atomic bomb this time. And... <laughs> You know, you're waking up 3 o'clock in the morning, scratching yourself, you know, raw because of fleas. And uh, I remember sitting in uh, Paris Island when Tyler graduated, and I think I've told the story before, and we cracked the windows about this, about this far so it wouldn't be so steaming hot. And we, after the graduation, he was going to come home with us. And I said, um, and we did. They had all kind of fleas and gnats in the car out of this big, huge field. I mean, it was just, oh. I said, we, we should just left the windows up. And oh, it was a hot day in Paris Island, which is not a, a, a vacation resort. And uh, so we, 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 got in the, we got in the vehicle, and I was driving. He was sitting to my right, and I was on the way home. I was, I was going like this for like 10 miles. He says, he said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get all these gnats out of here. He says, what's the problem? I said, gnats. He said, why does it bother you so bad? I looked at him like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I know you've been in the sun a lot. He said, the field that you put your car in, they know, they know there's gnats there. So they purposely make us lay down on our back, and, and they tie our hands to the side. So the, the gnats will come to your face, around your eyes, go up your nose, whatever. You're not allowed to close your eyes. And the gnats, the mosquitoes and everything just swarm over you, and you're bitten and all sorts of this, and you're not allowed to flinch. Because if you're hiding from the enemy or they think you've been shot or they think that you're wounded or dead if you flinch it could be all over he says stop flinching dad let's just drive home <laughs> well that's that's just a that's just an interesting thing that to watch how we walk through life and then we we flinch and how many of you have walked through some things in the last five years five years ago that Back then, it really got your attention, but today it's it's not really like he's like ah, you know, it's just you. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not worried about you. So yeah, come on. Let me give you an example. Let me. Okay, this is this is short. I'm a short preacher. This this is an example of going through. Something you think, why am I going through this? I learned this yesterday. I went to Vietnam as an infantry soldier for the year of 1970. Every Monday morning for 12 months, every Monday morning, we took a pill to combat against malaria. It gave us diarrhea. We hated Mondays and Tuesday. Every day, every Monday for 12 months. Do you know that the percentage of Vietnam veterans who took hydroxychloroquine Every Monday, that's the pill we were given. 
every Monday morning to keep us from getting malaria, that the percentage and number of Vietnam veterans who came down with COVID is so small to this day, even though this is not a medical proven fact, we have learned, and I've learned this yesterday, that although that happened to me 50 years ago, I was, so to speak, inoculated by taking that medication every week for 12 months. When I had my open heart surgery in 2021, I mean 2020, it was during the height of the COVID-19 outbreak and I was in the hospital. But I, I, I'm looking back now, although how unpleasant Vietnam was and how unpleasant taking that pill was, I'm looking back now and I'm seeing the hand of God. That God was knowing what I was going to experience at age 70. He was protecting me. Even then. Before there was any shots that we could take. Even then, He was protecting me for, for my future. I just want to share that with you. That's good. Amen.